This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. This year, the pandemic year, I've only had the studio open for, gosh, seven months. I'm just shy of 100K for the year, which is phenomenal for me. Like, I can't even believe it because I never made this kind of money before. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Jonna Marcus, and she is no stranger to the photography world. Jonna has been a photographer for 40 years, and she finally, in the last two years, has brought in an income that allows her to be a full-time photographer. Jonna adopted the Subrice Education business model and brought in over $100,000 in 2020. Yes, in 2020. Jonna shares with us her experience with all different types of photography and just as an artist in general and how, while these things were all great experiences, she never really saw herself in business until becoming a portrait photographer with a plan. Jana also shares how she got so many women to book photo shoots through a specific Facebook ad and how her 50 over 50 campaign completely exploded and her calendar is totally full. She is supportive and interesting and an open book, and I absolutely loved chatting with Jana Marcus. Let's get started so you can hear all of her wisdom. Hey, Jana, welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? Hi, Nikki. It's such a pleasure to be here and talk with you today. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm I'm really excited to interview you today. You know, a lot of a lot of people that, that we interview maybe haven't had like the lifetime sort of career of photographer. So I'm excited to talk to someone who's really been in the business for quite a long time and just to hear your sort of shift through it all. I think it's going to be interesting. I have a crazy photo journey, and it really is different than a lot of people that have been on this podcast. Um, you know, I sort of did the whole art school, MFA, photography, teaching thing. But in a way, that was that's only one little part of my story. But yeah, it's been a very different road. Yeah. So did you go to photography school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. And where where was that? Is it in California? I know that's where you live now. 
No. So my my story actually starts when I was three. Oh, wow. Talking about <laughs> um, way back. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we're going way back. Um, I was a classical pianist from the age of three to 18. Wow. And um, everybody thought that I was going to go to music school and have that as my career. But my dad actually bought me my first camera at the age of 17 for Christmas and it completely changed my life. Like there was no looking back. The camera was going to be my artistic outlet and I just do it. So when I was eight- You were just done with piano? Well, you know, for me, the camera was a way for me to express myself artistically that didn't have any boundaries. And, you know, being being raised as a classical pianist, there was sort of one way to play things and and one way to do things. And it was very rigid. And it just the, the camera just opened up my life. It was it was a whole other whole other thing. And so when I graduated high school, 18, I ran off to New York and everybody thought I was going to music school. And um, I had really big other plans for myself. Good for you. And um, <laughs> and. And I went to apprentice with a fashion photographer in New York. And so I, and this is back in the dinosaur age. So this is back in the 80s. And um, That's back not then, that long ago. <laughs> yeah, back, well, the days of film and dark rooms and light meters, those are the old days. Um, yeah, true, true. But uh, I went to go uh, assist a fashion photographer. That's what you did back in those days. You started as an assistant and you sort of worked your way up. And um, I was in love with fashion photography. That was what I wanted to do. I was just in love with images. I used to rip up magazines as a kid and then make up my own magazine. I was just obsessed with images. I thought my my path was going to be going straight into fashion photography. But after a year of working at the studio, um, I realized it actually wasn't. I didn't like this whole idea of art directors breathing down your neck and mm-hmm. complaining models who were a nightmare. Like it was just, it was not quite the world I thought it was. So I decided to go to art school. So I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York City and um, studied photography. And in my time being in art school, I realized that I was much more interested in photojournalism and documentary photography, that I really wanted to say something about the world around me. And so that sort of became my my driving force as a photographer. But I will preface all that by saying that I was told from a very young age that I would never make a living as a photographer and that I should not expect to make any money as a documentary photographer. Right. And, and so that was just, I just assume that was the truth. And, you know, I had two parents who were artists, and they were incredibly encouraging, um, amazing artists in their own right. And they had no idea about business or money that wasn't their focus. And so my sister and I were raised with these really wonderful concepts that making art and contributing back to society was the most important thing. And that was really kind of my driving force as I grew up and as a young photographer. That's that's um, cool that you had that influence from your parents. Like, I I mean, if I had told my dad that I was going to be a photographer for a living I can just see the look on his face that he would have given me. Like, no, <laughs> like I, that just would not have flown. And I would have done whatever I wanted to do anyway. But back then, I just didn't even realize that this could be a career path. So, anyways, it's it's cool that you had you know that sort of positive influence around art and everything in your in your life. 
Well, you know, it was. I mean, it, it was amazing to have that freedom. But at the same time, my sister and I both grew up kind of going, wow, like we can do all these fabulous creative things, but we can't make a living at them. You know, it was interesting. It was just, yeah, business was not the mindset that, or, you know, that we had grown up in. Um, so documentary photography really be kind of became my driving force. And I was really, I was really fascinated with documenting my generation. And I did a number of projects on youth subcultures of New York City in the 80s, um, homelessness and housing destruction in the South Bronx, which at the time was was probably the worst ghetto in America. Um, I did a piece on the farm workers in Northern California. So you can kind of see where I'm going with that. Like I was very yeah, yeah. socially oriented and really trying to say something about the world around me and really kind of cool. get the wheels of social change in motion through photography. Mm, that's and, so cool. Um, so cool. And then I then I had this funny experience where um, I stumbled upon the opportunity to meet the writer Anne Rice in the 90s, who, of course, wrote all the famous vampire books. And um, that led me on this crazy adventure in New Orleans where I actually wound up documenting vampire culture in America. Don't ask. It's crazy. But it turned out to be my first <laughs> published book, uh, my first documentary photography book that was published. And so... Um, so that's really where my career was at that time. Around 1993, I decided to move back to California from New York and um, was really struggling with trying to figure out, well, you know, what was my niche going to be in photography? What what was I really going to do? And um, well, you know, one thing I was going to ask is, did you were you able to make a living through documentary photography back then? Not at all. Not no. at all. Yeah. I, I think that the way the way my mindset was at the time was that you create this work because it's important and you need to share it with the world and the outcome is always hopefully exhibits and publications that was the only path i knew nikki it was like the only thought process behind it i making money at documentary photography what didn't even cross my mind you know, you were always just trying to get exhibited. It was it's like the fine art world. You're just trying mm -hmm. to get exhibited and published. Right. Period. Right. And so I started garnering lots of awards. I was winning awards for my work. I was getting noticed as a photographer, but I wasn't making any living at it at all. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So when I moved back to California in 1993, I was like, okay, so what can I do here? How can how can I make some money and still do what I love? Because that was all important. You got to keep doing what you love. So I wound up finding my niche as a theater photographer. Interestingly enough. A theater enough, photographer? Yeah. My mother theater. was a director. Yeah. Okay. And I wound up photographing a lot of productions. And I, I realized that I was actually really good at it and that it actually takes a really special set of skills to be a theater photographer. Um, you know, not only do you have to understand low light situations and, and how to photograph in those situations, but you have to understand how a theater production works. You have to know the entrances and exits. You have to know when an actor breathes so that that's when you take the image. Um, and you have to know how to capture the entire essence of a show in one image. 
So that was super exciting to me. And I was good at it. And I wound up getting a ton of work as a theater photographer. And I worked for several regional theater companies. And that sort of became my thing. I was kind of rocking Northern California <laughs> and um, doing the theater photography thing. Um, but it didn't pay a huge amount. You know, theater companies don't have a lot of money. That's what I was going to ask. And that was my next question. Were you making a decent living? <laughs> oh, no, I was not making a living as a photographer. Um, it was kind of my... I just kept working and it wasn't really about the money. So I always had a, another job. I always had another job. And um, photography was about following my bliss, for lack of a better word. And again, you know, like I was garnering a reputation, like people knew who I was, you know, and um, but I wasn't I wasn't making any money. So I went to go work in marketing as a marketing professional. I worked at Apple Computers in the marketing department. Right. And um, I worked for several high-tech companies in marketing until a regional theater company who had hired me as their photographer said, hey, why don't you come market for us? Come market theater. And that was a big pivotal moment in my life. And um, got this wonderful job where I was both the photographer and the marketing director for this big regional theater company. And it was great. It was probably the best time of my life because I got to pick and choose what photography jobs I wanted to do on the side. I had full creative reign to do whatever I wanted at this theater company in terms of creating publicity campaigns for the shows and photographing them however I wanted to. It was great. And I was making a living. So that was really super mm -hmm. fabulous. But at the same time, you know, I would go through these moments of crisis where I was like, why am I just not doing what I really want to be doing, which is just making a living as a photographer? Well, and and I kind of want to interrupt your, your, your story. I want to come back to how you got to the point where you're at. But I want people out there to know that because you now have a, a very high sales average and you make a living doing strictly photography, right? Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. So Finally. do you mind sharing with people what your like sales averages per shoot and just kind of about what you do, you know, what your genre is, what you focus on? And then I want to come back to how you got to that point. But I want people to, to hear how you did make this shift after all of these different attempts at somehow bringing photography into your world. Okay. And the reason is because I think there are so many people out there. I know there are so many people out there who are just like burning themselves, you know, burning the candle at both ends, trying to make money at photography and it's not working or that, you know, they're just not charging enough and they can't find clients, you know, so they're working other jobs and trying to be a full-time photographer. So I just want people to know, like, yeah, because I just, I want people to hear the different stories of, you know, not everyone has the same path. And if you're at home thinking like, I just want to be a full-time photographer. There are so many different ways to get to that point. It's just a matter of doing it. And so, okay, so, but before we get back to how you did it, share with people what you do exactly and your sales average. Okay, so jumping forward. So currently I am running my studio full-time doing portraits and actually incredibly successfully running a 50 over 50 campaign. Ah, yes, and I saw so, that on your website, yeah. Yeah, and so in the last year, this year, the pandemic year, I've only had the studio open for, gosh, seven months, and I'm about, I'm just shy of 100K for the year, which is Whoa. 
phenomenal for me. Like, Hell I can't yeah. even believe it because I never made this kind of money before. Oh, but, my gosh. This um, is amazing. But my average sale now is $2,000 per client. And I'm running a home studio. I renovated the front part of my house. And I have a studio and a makeup and sales room. And you're right, Nikki. Everybody has a different path that gets them to to where they want to be. And I think part of my story is that I did the whole academic route and nobody teaches you in school how to run a business. Mm-hmm, nobody mm-hmm. teaches you um nobody teaches you those essential things that you really need to be successful in a career. It's always oriented around art and and fine art and exhibiting and that's wonderful and great and it's been a huge you know uh tool for me to advance my career in terms of having a name but it doesn't advance you in terms of running a business and making a living as a photographer right, and so right. i guess if people hear my story what i want them to know is you can be a photographer for 30 years, you know, and still have no idea how to run a business until you find the right person who can help point you in that direction and teach you. Yeah. I mean, I can think back to a couple different people in my life, not even really in my life, but photographers who I've met who have been at this for decades. And they look at me like, you are never going to be able to make that amount of money that you think. And I remember someone telling it to me about weddings he was like, yeah, good luck getting over $1,500 for a wedding. And I'm like, okay, well, what? I, I'm going to try, you know, but he had been doing it for so long. He couldn't get more than $1,500 for a wedding. But that wasn't my, you know, that that limit, What he was not going to set my limits. You know, and I had portrait exactly, photographers here in exactly. Michigan, town, like, there's no way you can charge your prices here. There's no way. And I'm like, well, maybe you can't, and that's your limits. But anyways, my point is, is that I think sometimes people get kind of discouraged having been in the business for so long and then seeing maybe some, you know, newer photographers starting out who are killing it. And they're like, and I don't blame them. They're probably feeling frustrated and maybe a little bit bitter. Like, dude, how is this newbie, you know, making a living and I'm not, you know? So I love when people are are able to be self-reflective and look at like, okay, what changes do I need to make? I mean, anytime I start to, my sales average starts to fall or anything, I'm always like, okay, this is on me. Where am I going wrong? And I think if we can always bring it back to, okay, maybe you are a veteran. Maybe you've been doing this for however many years, 30 years, but you had that like drive and just the the wherewithal to have self-reflection, like, okay, what do I need to do differently? And that's great. You know what I mean? Well, you, well, yeah, and you know, going back to something you just said, Nikki, about I think it's so important for people to remember to forge their own path mm-hmm. and to not listen to what someone may say to them about, oh, you've been doing, you haven't been doing this long enough. How can you charge that much? Because there will always be photographers wherever your town is. Like where I live in Northern California, we are flooded with photographers, and for years, I was very. I was kind of obsessed with what everyone else was making. Sure. What are they charging, you yeah. know, and, and what are they giving for that amount? And nobody 
was charging more than like three or four hundred dollars for a shoot, for a performance art event, for a portrait or a headshot. And there were even photographers who were charging nothing, who were taking away business from the rest of us who were charging three or four hundred dollars. And that I spent so much time focused on that until I realized, thanks to Sue Bryce and, and a number of other people, that I needed to just be focusing on myself. And I needed to forge my own path and stop worrying about what everyone else was charging, you know, and, um, and that's hard to do sometimes, you know, you got to just kind of make your own path, go your own way. Don't worry what the crowd is doing. Totally, totally. I honestly, I don't even think, I mean, other than the photographers that I've interviewed around, you know, who live around me, I have no idea what other people charge. It just doesn't even, it didn't ever even really occurred to me to look at that. But I think that's because I had a mentor, you know, with Sue and, and having Sue Bryce Education, who was like, no, this is this works. And I've, I've done it for 25 years. And, you know, all these other photographers are doing like you can totally charge us. And I'm like, oh, OK. For me, it was easier to take a business model that is proven and just do it as opposed to like comparing to, you know, doing market. My, I have air quotes, market research, which I know there is a time and a place for market research 100 percent. However, if I had wasted my time and spent my time doing market research, I would have basically, I never would have had a sustainable business. And I'm sure there are people out there who are probably like, oh my gosh, no, market research is so important. Again, there's time and a place. But had I done that, I, I don't think I would be where I'm at today. I think there's a lot of photographers who don't, they're not even thinking about that. Like, you see, you're coming at it from a very business oriented from the start place. And there are those of us who are just photographers offering our services. And this was the huge revelation for me, Nikki, when I started, uh, when I first found Sue Bryce, which was that I realized, wow, I've only thought of myself as a freelancer for decades. I never thought of myself as a business ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And that was a mm -hmm. huge mind shift for me. Mm -hmm. And all of the photographers in my town, there was sort of this hierarchy of photographers. They were, they were the professional ones with the studios who were charging X number. And then there was those of us who were like the freelancers who charged this much. And then there were the newbies coming in at the ground level who were charging nothing. And I really tried with another photographer for many years to kind of bring everyone together, like kind of a salon of photographers, so that we could talk about our prices and raise them together so that no one was underselling or underbidding somebody else, that then it just kind of became about who, which photographer someone wanted to pick and, and the quality of their work. But photographers weren't interested and they're, and they're very competitive. Most photographers are very competitive with each other. And I hated that. Like I wanted to see us be a community. So by the time I found Sue Bryce, I was so, <laughs> I was just floored. I couldn't believe it, but that's a whole. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say, take us back to when, where you were at, what you were doing. I know you said your, your like burning desire was just to be a photographer when you were doing this theater marketing. So so take us from there. So now we're at about 2001, 2002. And I did what every artist does when they have a breakdown about making money. They go back to school. <laughs> so I decided to go to graduate school and get my MFA in photography because I figured I would do what my parents did. I would teach so that then I had free time to do my art. 
This is what my parents' generation did. So I went to get my MFA. And of course, by the time I graduated, there were no teaching jobs and higher education was in the toilet. But um, it was the most incredible three years of my life being in um, this MFA program because I had three years to create personal work. That is a luxury that we rarely have, you know, because we're all raising families, trying to make a living, you know, doing whatever we're doing. If we're running a studio, we're working with clients. But to have three years to just create personal work was incredible. And that was when I created my work, Transfigurations, which was a documentary project on the transgender community that um, garnered me a huge national reputation. I won a ton of awards. It was a 50-piece exhibit that toured the country for six years and gave lectures everywhere from Stanford University to New York. Wow. And then it became a book in 2012, um, won Best LGBT Book of 2012. That's and amazing. that just skyrocketed my reputation. But Nikki, I still wasn't making any money. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It's like, like t- that's a huge accomplishment, you know, to win the book of the year for an, a really amazing community. And then but still not making any money. Like, oh. Well, and you know, and it's it's a piece of work that I'm very proud of because I feel like it has really done something positive mm-hmm. for a marginalized group of people in our culture. Right. Um, and like I told you, like making money just was never part of my thought process. So I get out of grad school. There's no teaching jobs. I go back to the marketing job that I always had. And... Um, Everything was good until I got laid off from that oh. longtime marketing job. Yeah, yeah. And that was really that was really my pivot. In in 2014, I got laid off at the age of 52. And ageism is a real thing. Trust me, I looked for a mm-hmm. job for over a year and it always went to someone younger than me. And then so I decided to write a book instead. <laughs> And I took three years to write a book. Um, and um, and then one day in May of 2018, I will never forget it because it was life-changing. I was sick in bed because I had a summer cold. And I was bored and I was scrolling through my computer and I found Sue Bryce. And I watched everything. And I was just like, oh, my God, here's this woman telling us things about how to run a business. Like, she's telling the stuff nobody talks about. And I was blown away. And I just absorbed everything. And I just felt like she was speaking to me, you know. And it was, like I said, it was a huge revelation to realize that I had always just thought of myself as a freelancer, not as a business. Right. And that was when my whole mindset really started to change. And, um, then I went on to join Sue Bryce Education, and I went to the Portrait Masters in 219, and I just got to work. Like, let's get to work. Let's do this. You know, let's just make this happen. And um, yeah, and then I started to work with um, Kitty. Kitty was my mentor for a oh, short time. Kitty yeah, Ma- Kitty, Kitty McNeil. McNeil. She's episode number four yeah. on the podcast. If you guys out there listening haven't listened to Kitty's episode yet, so... Kitty was great and she 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 really pushed me to see myself as a photographer 
in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mm -hmm. had this reputation. I knew how to shoot. I was a good photographer. Um, but I just, like I said, no sense of business whatsoever. Right. And she pushed me to immediately like, she's like, girl, you're charging $300. What are you thinking? You know, she's like, raise those prices. And, um, and I just was like, oh my God, Kitty, no one's going to pay this in my area, you know? And so she really helped me to, to push me to bring those to, to charge, to charge that amount of money, you know? So it was really in January of 2019 that I officially started my business. Wow. Yeah. And so it's only been, I mean, not even quite two years. Almost and you have this- Not quite two years. Like you're at 100K. Like that's fantastic. Yeah. It's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome, Jonna. You know, it's like sometimes I think when your back's to a wall, you know, like you got laid off and you knew you needed to make some changes. I think that's when it can really like light the fire under us. Because I, I mean, like I've told the story before just about being a burned out social worker. And I don't think I ever would have looked at the whole business part of it. But in my mind, like I don't have a business background whatsoever. But in my mind, I knew I had to make a certain amount of money in order to quit my social work job. So I'm like, how can I make that money doing what I love? How much do I have to charge? Like it came down to that. Like how much money do I have to make? So it wasn't so much like mm -hmm. a business standpoint, but it's sort of what in my mind, I didn't realize it was at the time, but ultimately, yeah, ultimately yeah. it was like, I needed to fo follow a certain business model where I was able to have an average sale of XYZ, which at the time I wanted my average sale to be 1200, you know, and, and it's just when your back is to the wall, I needed to get out of this job. You had to start making I, money, I, you know? You know what, Nikki? I didn't even know what sales average was. Like, I didn't even know this talk. Like, this talk was totally out of my vocabulary. You know, I'm like, sales average? What is that? I'm lucky if I shoot a headshot once a week, you know? Yeah. Well, I should say <laughs> yeah. that the only reason I know that language is because of Sue. Truly. Like, I don't know where I would be without not having found her education. Truly. Like, I don't. I'm with you. I didn't know that either. But now it's so second nature. It's interesting to hear you say that because it's so second nature to me now that I'm like, oh my gosh, there was a time that I had no idea what my sales average was or that there like needed to even be a sale, like exactly what you just said. So I guess it just becomes second nature at, at one point. It does. I, you know, I so wish that I had discovered Sue years ago. I so wish that I had changed my mindset years ago. But I guess the point of my story is that it's never too late, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and so even true. at, even at 52, you know, I was able to, well, like I said, I took a few years off to write a book, but you know, even still, it's never too late to change mm -hmm. anything, mm -hmm. you know, whether For it's sure. the kind of, whether it's the kind of photography you do, um, whether it's running a business or being a freelancer or or even just learning, you know, I mean, I was a street photographer was what we call it um, for years before I learned studio lighting. And so it's just never too late to learn anything. And, you know, I am so thankful for having just, it's also serendipitous to just have a, suddenly stumbled upon Sue Bryce at a time when it was so important in my life to like we said, sink or swim, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not finding a job at this old age. And I only really want to be doing what I love anyway, which is taking pictures. How, how do I make this happen? 
ask mm-hmm. the universe, how mm-hmm. am I going to make this happen? And then all of a sudden, there's Sue Bryce on Creative Live preaching. And I'm just like, wow, this woman is amazing. And um, yeah, it's completely changed my life. Yeah. Okay. So talk to, I know you mentioned the 50, 50 and fabulous or 50, yeah. Is that what you call it? 50 and fabulous campaign? 50, or 50 over 50, 50 project. 50 over 50. That's right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your home studio. Tell us about your pricing. Tell us how are you getting, are you, how are you getting these women in the door during a pandemic year? How are you marketing? Like, tell us all of it. Um, so I, at, you know, at one point I had a studio in town that I shared with another, another photographer, but, um, that was, that was years past. And so when I thought about actually putting together a business, I thought, okay, well, I kind of want to be home. <laughs> you know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to kind of, plus I live in Northern California where rents are insane, you know? So yeah, yeah. luckily I have a very big house. So um, my spouse and I decided, okay, we're going to have the front living room, which we never use, and the garage and the that area completely renovated. So um, now I have, they walk in the door and there's a big, beautiful sales room and makeup area. And then the garage, which is 450 square feet, has been completely renovated with floors and walls and and lighting and everything and it's beautiful and I so love going in there I just walk in and I just get so happy I'm like yes this is my little space to create and it's it's perfect for me so I am working at home which has been great I you know I did some of the networking in the beginning which you know is is hard for all of us I think you know even for someone like me it's hard to talk about yourself. I mean, I was a mm-hmm. marketing professional. I can market anybody. But when it comes to marketing yourself, it's just finding that balance of not feeling like you're being over the top about yourself, that you're just right. feeling comfortable about talking about the work that you're offering to other people and that you're offering it to other people that you're not just talking about yourself. Did that make yeah. any sense? Yes, it absolutely <laughs> does. And, and a lot of people say that, like, I don't know what to say about myself. And one thing that Sue has talked about, and there, she has a video about this, like writing your about page and creating your pitch and all of that on the SBE website. It's like, don't talk, you don't have to talk about yourself. Talk about what you can do for other people. Make it all about exactly. the clients. And I think exactly. that has helped shift people to to be able to market themselves and you know, in a, in a different way, like your 50 and, and 50 over 50 campaign, when you click on your website, like it's clear that you want the best for your clients. Like you want them to have this amazing experience. So it's like, you're able to market yourself in such a beautiful way while making it all about the clients, but you also tell a little bit about yourself, you know, so there's such a fine, a, a great like balance there. Well, thank you. You know, doing so, you know, a number of photographers have been doing 40 over 40 and 50 over 50. And, and I thought, you know, I like this being a woman over 50 myself, I can completely relate to some of the things that that women at that age group are going through. And so I thought, let me let me see if I can market this. And let me see if I can bring people into the studio. And boy, it has been incredible for me. And I think it really, that 50 over 50 project really follows in line with what I think I have always done as a documentary photographer, which is giving a voice and a face to a group of people that don't have their own voice. And, um, you know, women over 50 are so marginalized in our culture because we're a culture of the young. And these women 
we're all sort of at our prime in our 50s, you know, um, we've really found our voice and our strength. And we know who we are, and, and we've accomplished things, but we don't always feel really great about how we look. And so for me to be able to give these women an experience of feeling beautiful, getting made up and feeling beautiful for a day, and seeing their pictures, I can't tell you how many people cry in the studio. Like I had this one woman yeah. oh, who was yeah. like, I take, I take, I take horrible pictures and and you know, I'm just here to do this, but I don't think I'm gonna like any of them. And she was so beautiful. And I showed her the back of my camera during the shoot, which I rarely do. And she looked at it and she burst into tears. The makeup Aww. lady was running in trying to wipe up her mascara. And she was like, oh, my God, is that me? And and that gives me so much joy, you know, to to have people see themselves in a whole new way. That's the beauty of this project. And um, it's been amazing because I've actually created this this community around this project that is so much bigger than me. And it's so much bigger than the studio. It's these women want to have a voice. They want to be seen. And this is their opportunity to do that. And so they are clamoring down the studio doors. Like it's crazy. So how are you marketing? How are you getting the word out there? You know, I did a Facebook ad that I was looking for 50 women to join me in 2020 to do this project where I wanted to not only photograph them, but also capture their thoughts on aging and advice they would give to younger women. And I turned on this Facebook ad for two days and had 28 inquiries Wow! and could barely call all these people back. So I turned the ad off. And a year later, I have never had to turn it on again. Like it just isn't that amazing. Was like a rock gathering moss downhill. It was crazy because when you get one client who's the right client, they tell everybody. So I had a client who so loved her experience that she told her her group of women friends, and twenty of them booked. And then another woman had a friend who I, another woman told all of her friends and they booked. So it just has become this huge word of mouth. Now, of course, being a marketing person, I also, you know, I did have some press articles written about the project. And um, so it did get a little PR out in the world. But I think one of the reasons why it may have been a little easier for me to kind of just march right in to being successful at this was because people in this town where I live know me and they know my reputation as a photographer. So it was just sort of like, oh, John is doing something new and different. Oh, I'm over 50. I'll go to the studio. Right. And at first it was like, okay, are they going to pay these prices? And I've played with my prices so much in the last year. You know, Kitty wanted me to start very high God bless her, but it just didn't quite feel comfortable for me. And so I lowered them a little bit and then I brought them back up. I finally have my prices at a, at a place where I'm comfortable. And so as we go into 2021, I'm going to do the 50 over 50 project again because it was so successful. Mm-hmm. And um, my my fee is $3.99 to come to the studio and have a makeover, have your clothes styled and have a session in the studio with me and they get one complimentary print. Okay. And then yeah. my pack and then my and then my packages start at 
five images for $1,400, 12 images for $2,000, and 20 images for $3,000. And then, nice. you know, you get the little reveal boxes and stuff like that inside. And people so, are buying and loving it. I have a question about the Facebook ads because I know people have said, you know, oh, I run Facebook ads and nothing happens. Like, did you have it go to a landing page? Did you, you know, target a certain demographic? Like, were you only targeting women who are like age 50 to 60 or 50 to 70 like how did you do you remember how you structured it I know it's been over a year yeah well I did make I I know right if I had to do it again I'd probably have forgotten I did do the pixel thing the Mm -hmm. Facebook Google pixel put that on my website and I did an ad that said I was looking for 50 women over 50 and in terms of the demographics I literally made it within 30 mile radius of my studio, people who made over a certain amount of money so that I knew that they could, they would probably spend mm-hmm. and within a certain age group. And then when they clicked the ad on Facebook, it did take them to a landing page that explained what the 50 over 50 project was about. They could fill out a form if they were interested that asked them a couple questions and then mm-hmm. that form would go mm-hmm. to me. And of course I was so not expecting the huge response that I got that I didn't have systems in place to kind of handle the onslaught of craziness that happened afterward. So this year I've still been figuring out like, how do I make my calendar automated so people can just sign up for a shoot and then pay for it? So I'm still figuring out some of the little, you know, details of running a studio smoothly. I mean, I've had to hire a retoucher because I just don't have time anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Once you hit the 100K mark in a, in a year, I feel like it's like, oh, okay, you got to get a retoucher. But aren't those wonderful problems to have? They're totally. just great. <laughs> Such great problems to have. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, th- I feel like there is something about niching down the way you did within 30 miles very specific specific age range, demographic, that sort of thing, like w- woman. I, 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 there is something to it, to just really honing in and having a specific campaign. And I don't know if you saw the video, it's called Face on Superhouse Education, where Sue talks about choosing your campaign and how you're going to do it and, and niching it down. And, and gosh, it mm-hmm. just seems like it worked so well for you. It's worked so well for several other people. Like if I was scrolling through an ad and I saw like, you know, looking for women over 40 who want to feel beautiful, I'd be like, me, me, me. You know, I just, I think it's so so smart. And you know what? And I think that during a pandemic year, Nikki has really actually been hugely successful for me because I started the 50 over 50 project in January, February, and then I had to shut down. So I shut down March, April, made you I was closed for four months closed for four months Reopened and still in brought June. in a hundred thousand yeah that's well all those people who booked in Jan I mean I had literally booked for the whole year and in January and February but then I had to close for the pandemic so then all of those shoots shifted to the summer months so everyone mm-hmm. got shifted mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. and then I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be shooting like six people a week I'm old I don't know that I can actually handle all this oh, so, so it wound up it wound up being really kind of crazy but I reopened in June and um what I discovered after that four months of being closed was that women were dying to get out of the house they wanted to connect 
They wanted to feel pretty. They wanted to, they hadn't, you know, this one gal came and she's like, I haven't brushed my hair in four months. You know, she goes, I don't (laughs) even know where my makeup is. And so they've loved this opportunity to feel pretty for a day, to, to connect with other women, to just be out. And I think that's been, I think the pandemic has made an environment that has really been perfect for this. I know that sounds crazy, but. No, I mean, I think it's great to find a silver lining. I mean, heck yeah. Like a lot of people are just kind of not moving forward in this time. And and to find a silver lining and to find a way to do it regardless is, I mean, you have to do something. What What else? What's your choice? Sit there and do nothing? Or find a way to connect with people in a time that is difficult, you know? So good. Good for you. And a lot of photographers have had have set up their studios outside, which I think are amazing. And I was actually even going to try that. But we, my makeup artist and I actually wound up having a process of sort of vetting people um, in terms of their health before they came to the studio, you know, and we've, you know, taken every precaution with masks and gloves and sanitize. Like I have a bathroom changing area just for the client. We only do one client a day. Everything gets sanitized. Um, but I have shut down again now as of Thanksgiving weekend, everything is shut down again, um, Mm -hmm. as per the governor's orders in California. So I plan to be closed until, after I think the end of January, so people can get through the holidays and then have time yeah, to yeah. quarantine. <laughs> um, but I've already booked thirty women for twenty twenty one for for the new fifty over fifty project. So that's been amazing. So you know, it's interesting because January is usually one of my busiest months. I don't know what this year is going to be like. Obviously, it's you know for twenty twenty one. I don't know who knows where we'll be, but. It's usually one of my busiest months. And I think, you know, for one, I, I photograph a lot of women who own businesses, you know, business owners, and it's like start to the new year, need new headshots or whatever. And there's just, like you said, maybe it's coming out of the holidays and just feeling like blah and just, I don't know, for some reason, I'm just always really busy in January. So hopefully, you know, it'll be good for you and you'll be good to go. Well, I'm going to be closed until the end of January because I oh, figure you said the with, end of January, with, right, with right, New right. Year's Eve. I mean, yeah, you know, the yeah, pandemic has been so bad that I figure, okay, let me give myself a three week cushion after the last public yeah, holiday. Yeah, that's before I smart, before I sure. consider it. So yeah, it's just a just a pandemic thing. Hopefully, we'll all get through this very soon. Oh, you aren't kidding, seriously. Um, you know, I want to go back to quickly. You said you give away a free print. Has anyone that comes with a session fee anyway? Has anyone not purchased photos? So yeah, when I first started, I was a little discouraged. I, uh, the very first, okay. So my very first client before I even did the 50 over 50, I just have to share this story. Then I'll go back. But my very first client after studying all of Sue's material and having my mentorship with Kitty and everything, I had my first client that I was actually charging these prices to. And I set up my reveal wall and I had 30 beautiful prints of her all all matted and she looked at them and I had I told her my prices and then I just shut up just the way Sue tells us to do like say it show it and then just be quiet and it was so hard for me Nikki and I just stood there I was like okay don't say anything don't say anything and the woman's looking at them and she's looking at them and she's like I'll take them all 
$2,500 sale. And I was like, oh my God, this works. Yes, so awesome. <laughs> that was great. But when I started the 50 over 50 project um, in January of this year, I thought that I would give away one print. And the first client I had bought one image additional. And the second client I had didn't buy anything. And I thought, wow, this is not going to work. But then the third client bought a $2,000 package. And then it's just gone on since then. So I've really only had two people who really didn't purchase anything, which is pretty phenomenal out of 50. Yeah, so that's amazing. Well, and, and the reason I ask that is we get that question a lot. Well, what if they don't buy? You know, then I'm out all this money. But for one, you you collected this session fee. So you shouldn't be out too, you know, obviously you'd be out your time. But as well, long most, as you can educate, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, most of the session fee goes to the makeup artist, you know. I mean, when true, you're charging, true. yeah, half of it's going so, to the yeah. makeup artist. Yeah. And But I've really found that it's an incentive. It, it's an incentive that brings them in. They feel like they're getting something. And one of the things that I think has made my Facebook, so I have a private Facebook group for all of the women who are not only in my 50 over 50 project, but who are thinking of being in it. And they invite all oh, of their friends. Nice. So Smart. there's about there's about 300 people in there right now. It's not huge, but these 300 people are power people. They are creating a community for each other, which is amazing. And they're supporting each other and rooting each other on. And what I've started to do is... After a session, I will post one sneak peek picture in the Facebook group with a big fat watermark over it. And the ladies get so excited. And so the woman who was photographed will see one image first, only in the Facebook private group. And all the other women are rooting her on and telling her how fabulous she is. And then they will they might share that picture on their private on their public Facebook group. Uh, I'm sorry, public. Facebook page, but that's okay with me because now mm -hmm. 200 of her friends are liking this picture and she's going, oh my God, I went to John and Marcus's studio and I had such a great time. And then they're calling me. So yes, it has become a awesome. huge marketing tool that is just reverberating. And in the group, like you said, the, the like camaraderie around it, I would be like, well, I want that. When can I do mine? You know, well, I would totally, I, you, know, you know. I've actually, women are actually writing posts in the private group saying, during the pandemic, this has been the most incredible thing I've done. And I've met all these new women where everyone is connecting virtually anyway. And they feel like they're forming kind of like their own girl group, their own girl club. Right. And everyone. Yeah. So it's, like I said, it's become bigger than me. It's even become bigger than having their picture taken at the studio. It's about creating community where they all feel valued and beautiful. And that's, it's been really amazing to see. The other thing that I do in the Facebook group that I think has been garnering excitement is that I decided early on to actually count down the 50 women of the year as I was doing them. So I started an online gallery on my website, the 50 over 50 online gallery, because I knew with the pandemic, I couldn't have an actual exhibit, which is what I wanted to do, have an mm -hmm. exhibit at the end of the year so they could all come together and celebrate and buy big prints. But since that isn't happening, I started this online gallery. And after I shoot each person, they go up in the gallery after they write their 
thoughts about aging and advice to younger women, they go up in the gallery. And so each time someone new goes in the gallery, I announce it in the private Facebook group. Oh, they all go crazy. They can't. Oh, and they're talking and making comments and they love it. And so now they're all so excited. Now I'm up to like number 44. (laughs) And although I've shot almost everybody, they're not up in the gallery yet. So every week I kind of say someone new is in the gallery this week and they get all excited. So those have been tools that have just garnered their excitement yeah oh, you gotta I love keep, you gotta keep the, you gotta keep them excited and, and wanting more and telling their friends you know so that you yeah, get those word sure. of mouth referrals coming constantly and they will they will it'll just keep snowballing it's the beauty of it it's amazing it is amazing it's unbelievable well i'm excited for you it sounds like you have a really really good thing going and um i'm excited to see where you take it it's it's you know You've put in the time, you've put in the work, you've been doing this for a very long time. And to finally be making the income that you want from photography, it's it's like due time. And I'm really, really glad that it's working out like this for you. Thank you. It has been it has been amazing. But I really, really credit Sue, you and all the mentors. I mean, you have created a community that it's enabled even old fogey photographers like me to just turn in a new direction and take a new step and create something new, which has been invaluable. And like I said, this isn't the stuff you learn in school. Not that I'm putting down an education because I think everyone should go to art school, but, um, but this is the kind of stuff you don't learn in school and it's, it's invaluable. I am forever indebted. Well, we're very happy to have you as part of the community. We really appreciate just your contributions in the Facebook group and for calling in when we do our special episodes. I know you shared your first big sale on the yeah. episode, right? Yeah. Call- yeah, yeah. 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 That was, yeah. 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 Thank you. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I do have a couple more questions for you, though. This questions I ask at the end of each episode. Sure. And number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? You know, it's funny. I thought about this and um, I think there's two things, personality and the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, I everybody, you know, I'm a gadget person. I love gadgets. I love photo equipment. Like I'm total nerd about that stuff. But when it comes right down to it, all I really need is my camera and a good personality. And that's gotten me through every documentary project I've ever done. It's gotten me through every client to engage with them. And everything else can kind of get figured out on the fly when you know what you're doing. You know, like I can figure out, I can make any kind of lighting happen. I can do this or that. All I really need is my camera. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, sim- simplicity is sometimes better. I know. So it's like great. the nerdiest answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't working? Oh, my God. I am always working. I am always working. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who has a million ideas all the time, mm-hmm. um, just dr- dying to create new projects and have them come to fruition. But when I'm not working with clients in the studio, I'm always coming up with some other, you know, project that I want to do. I love to travel. I'm really into genealogy. Um, that's what my last my book that came out this past summer was about. What was it called? Uh, Give us a plug. I wrote a true story called Line of Blood about how I solved two cold cases in my family history. What? And, like yeah. cold, like murders? Yeah. Shut <laughs> from up. from the 1930s. Yeah, like 80 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so that's when before I discovered Sue 
and I was laid off from my job. I spent four years writing this book. So yeah, that's that came out Holy this summer. Shit, that's intense. That, that's intense. It, now I feel, it, I feel like I need to read it. I was an amazing. It was an amazing journey. I love genealogy, and um, it's taken me on some great adventures. So I enjoy genealogy and traveling. And, but mostly I just, I'm a, I'm a project driven person, you know, so I'm always working on Mm -hmm. something, something new that I love. Cool. Uh, okay. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Um, I would probably say be the change you want to see. Mm -hmm. That was said by Gandhi and I find that to be so true, not only in life, but in business and in creative work, be the change you want to be, be the change you want to see, you know, and that always inspires me to keep going in different directions. Yeah, I love, it's such an amazing quote, for sure. Definitely something to live by. Absolutely. All right. Um, what would you say to people who are just getting started? I would tell young photographers or beginning photographers to just shoot a lot And don't worry about taking a perfect picture, because if you're worried about taking a perfect picture, you may not take any pictures at all. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to shoot. And by shooting, you're going to get better. You're going to get better at your at at the technical aspect. You're going to find your style and you're going to build your confidence, not only with yourself, but build confidence being with clients. So my uh, my advice is just shoot a lot, experiment, and find what gives you creative bliss. You know, the creative bliss part, too, it's like, just to add something, I think sometimes we get stuck in a rut, too, with shooting for clients. And not to say that I don't love shooting for clients, but every so often, it's just like doing a shoot for me with my own vision and doing whatever I want. It does. It brings me back to that creative bliss, like you said, so... It's so important. I mean, I spent most of my career just doing creative bliss, you know, Um, and it is so important to just get back in touch with yourself, why you're a photographer, why you love taking images, you know, give yourself that little time. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And last but not least, where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Uh, My website is jannamarcus.com. That's J-A-N-A-M-A-R-C-U-S. And Instagram, I'm just getting better at getting my Instagram. It's, it's, I don't always post there, but I'm getting better at it. It's um, at J Marcus photo on Instagram. Great. Well, thank you again for taking time to chat with us and tell people your like tips and tricks and your success story. Really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Nikki. This has been awesome. I will see you in the Facebook group soon. (laughs) Sounds great. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.